This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hello and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League podcast. My name is Josh and I'm here with Brandon. How are you, Brandon? I'm very good. So happy to be here after Game Week 25. <laughs> uh, I think uh, Aiden Green on Twitter said it best uh, when he said, uh, two consecutive weeks with 60 points and two consecutive red arrows languishing around 800,000. I need to get a stress ball. <laughs> I don't get it. We were talking about the red arrows we had this week before we started recording, and it's like I my my overall rank now is five hundred eight thousand and change. Okay, and for the last like two or three weeks, like that's not a high ranking at all. But for the last two or three weeks, I'm consistently well above the average score, but I'm getting red arrows. I don't know what one has to do. To get a green arrow when when you're in this like soft middle of the overall ranking, I don't know. Yeah, Captain Roberto Firmino, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> triple Captain Mara. I don't know. Like some weird. It seems like the people who do well every week, like these people on Twitter who post the screenshots of their captain. It's all like, I you want. I want to see someone who just. Who just does this, like the guy who does the crazy, like, oh, I triple Captain Mara as a way to Man City. Like, aren't I a genius? I want them <laughs> to be forced to show who they've captained every single week for 37 weeks because, you know, that's only working out like once out of every 38 weeks, right? Yeah, no it's probably that's... because they forgot to set their captain the <laughs> right, night before. Exactly. It's yeah. just they just fell backwards into it. <laughs> I mean, I could easily have photoshopped. Robert Huth as my triple captain. Um, yeah, so, well, the, the actual screen screen grab would be him second on my bench. So it was kind of a tough week for you. I, I finished with with sixty two, uh, which is which is you know more than respectable. I actually I had a small red arrow, about ten thousand spots or so. Uh, not too bad. Not having Mesut Ozil was what really cost me this week, but I did have uh, three clean sheets for my defenders, and uh, I, I I do have Mares and even Aguero with that that late goal really. Really helped me out. That was that was a it was a yes. worthless goal in the run of play. It was like, it was an it was the ultimate fantasy goal. You can tell Aguero is just playing for his goal bonus at this point. Like that, honestly, should have had two goals in that game too. 
Yeah, we we'll we'll talk a lot more about the Leicester Man City game, yeah. but but I want to I want to get back to so just to get back to so I, I had an okay week, okay. Uh, but for you, I mean the the first first match of the game week uh, is was really a tough one for you, right? For two reasons: one, uh, you drop you dropped Mares two weeks ago uh, for Jordan Henderson, uh, <laughs> which kind of worked out okay the first week and has been pretty bad, and then since. it's been a stunning stunning failure ever <laughs> since. And and the other thing is the first defender on your bench is Robert Huth. So yeah, yeah. It's almost I, like I, leaving thirty points, uh, you know, unused. It's true. And who? I I always refer to him. People who listen to the Always Cheating Pod know that I refer to him as my cuddly little, or not little, but my cuddle, big cuddly teddy bear. And <laughs> I do so love having Huth on my team. But my problem is, is I I can never talk myself into actually playing him. I mean, the the first half of the season, Leicester City couldn't buy a clean sheet. And right. Robert Huth, you know, much much ballyhooed from last season about all of his um, shots on goal. Like basically on any Leicester set piece, he's uh, he's the main target. But he just didn't produce anything the first half of the season, and that vibe has sort of lingered with him. And I, I just can't get the courage to play him. And I mean, if there was ever a time when you were going to put a marginal defender on on your bench, it's away to Man City. I mean, that is yeah. the. Arguably the worst fixture for any defense. Exactly. I could. I absolutely could not beat myself up over that decision. It's just dumb luck. I mean, it it was almost easier to take when he scored that second goal because <laughs> just the the flukiness of it all mm-hmm. just sort of uh, came together. For well, nothing me, fluky about the win, though. I mean, a fantastic no, win. no, no. Let's let's be clear about that. I mean, Lester steamrolled Manchester I mean, that City. Fr- that free steam. kick to start the game was such an amazing like announcement of intent. Yeah. You know, it was just they zipped it in. Huth was there and they were just like, we are going to play harder than you this match. You know, it, it reminded me of the uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here. It reminded me of the World Cup Women's World Cup final where the U.S. just smashed Japan in the first 10 minutes of the game. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a little of that uh, Carly Carly Lloyd style destruction. Yeah, Robert Huth is basically a German Carly Lloyd. <laughs> that, that is true. We should call him Carly or I Carly from now I on. I Carly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you know how it goes. You've you've got uh, let's see how many points did he end? You got sixteen points sitting there in second position on your bench. You spend the rest of the game week trying to figure out if it's even conceivable that you can get him into your squad through subs, auto subs. <laughs> I had a flag on Deli Ali. I had a flag on Romelu Lukaku. Uh, there was a flag on Junior Stanislaus, who was first position on my bench, which in hindsight was just kind of a silly move to put him there anyway. Uh, so there was a, a conceivable route to getting Robert Huth into my team, but it, it, was, ne- it was never meant to be. No, it just it wasn't. So I, I think you know Tom Tom Boardman uh, also uh, another question slash complaint on Twitter. Uh, he said, um, "Why am I poo at FBL?" It's the same question he asked in game week seventeen, and I think we kind of all are this year. I, I think the problem yeah. is uh, too many people are. Cons- it's very hard because there's so many uh, players who are cons- like who are highly owned who are performing well. Like week in and week out, it's very hard to have that right combination of like it's hard. Someone always seems to have the right combination who's not you. Yeah, you know, it's sort of <laughs> that's not very articulately <laughs> phrased, but there's sort of you know you gotta have Ozil and you gotta have Mara. Basically, you, you just if you would just like pick your template team in game week six and really never like if you had just picked two Arsenal defenders, 
uh, Mares, Vardy, uh, Mesodozel. I mean, whatever that template was, it's basically the same one 20 weeks later. A Sergio Aguero. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, it, it's true. Because it, it you, start, you start tinkering, you, start, you, you, you take out Mares for Jordan Henderson. It, it's human nature. It's just because <laughs> it, it's more fun to keep making transfers. It's, it's, it's irresistible. Yeah. You know, it's hard yeah. to keep tinkering, but, but you know, if you had just made almost no transfers the last 20 weeks, you'd be in a better position. Yeah, so I'm actually knee-jerking back to the template because I, I talked uh, last week about my wanting to get Alexis Sanchez into my midfield. I thought it was going to be a good captaincy option. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, that was just ludicrous thinking. He still looks like he's really rusty and getting back to 100%. So I decided to mo- not make any transfers. You know, I left Lukaku in up front, which paid off. And now uh, left me with two free transfers, and I've already kicked Jordan Henderson out and brought Mara's back in. So I'm re- re- reverting back to the template now. I like that. I, I wondered if you would I, – I figured you were going to do it either this week or next week. And so I like it. Even a way to Arsenal. I mean, that's a – you know – you just, yeah. just want to be back on. You want to beat the price rise, all that stuff. Yeah, beating the price. And again, we'll, we'll talk about this when we review the Leicester City game. But if Leicester's going to go steamroll Manchester City away, like at the Etihad, there's no reason why you can't bet on this Leicester City anywhere, anytime. So I have no issues. Arsenal is yeah. going to be a, a tougher game for them. I think that's pretty clear. But that's... no, I'm 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 really happy to... To have Mares back. Did you? So, 150,000 managers drafted in Jamie Vardy before his match away to Man City. Was he a tempting option for you at all? Uh, not really. Um, I feel the same way, and I yeah. I was surprised that there was such a such a rush on him. I mean, I I know that the, you know there's the whole beat the beat the price, and you want to have him long term and all that stuff. But I really feel like he could blank again at Arsenal. I mean, he actually looked pretty dangerous in Man City. To be fair, he um, did. They were but, they were definitely targeting him with those balls over the top. But the thing is, he got stopped because it's a good defense, and yeah. <laughs> that that's yeah. what they you know they. I mean, I know they in the end they conceded three goals. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I I'm not going to let you fully get away with that statement, Josh. I mean, did you see how they defended on that Mares goal? It's just like suicidal. I thought he made some pretty good moves to to score that goal, though. It's a pretty brilliant individual goal. I mean, he really he, yeah he 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 did well, but they they gave him the space in which yeah. to they they ha- they gave him the rope to hang themselves with, or the, to use an elaborate metaphor. Yeah, I, well, that that is true. But so okay, yeah, fair enough. But you know, Vardy was unlucky. He was either unlucky or stopped by the defense. I don't know, one or the other. Or maybe because they were committed to stopping him, it allowed more room for someone like Mares to take control. Yeah. Uh, Interesting tactical discussion. Yeah, I think the long-term question, or the question we'll have to discuss in the next two episodes of the pod will be, do we target Vardy for game week 27 against Norwich? And I think that's when when we really have to ask the question. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually planning, unless... Unless he, unless anything happens to him in this Arsenal match, I'm planning to bring him in, like basically like the second transfers are open on, uh, on over the, uh, this weekend. Yeah. All right. So I have to All get right. a, a piece of business out of the way real quick here. Uh, you were talking about it, it. Somehow, some other manager always seems to get the better of you week to week, and that 
was the case this weekend in the uh, away leg of the official Always Cheating Fast Food Cup, which it's a head-to-head competition I have with a good friend of ours, uh, Justin, who hosts the Big Game podcast who you've probably heard us mention here before. So anyway, Justin, his team is called the In-N-Out Swingers, named after the famous California burger joint. And my team is the BK Broilers, named after uh, a fast food joint that I never really eat at, Burger King. (laughs) So anyway, we we play against each other um, with a certain amount of grit and intent every season. And we we fight for this crummy trophy that Justin's girlfriend helped, helped him make called the Fast Food Cup. So anyway, uh, we ended up tying 58 points apiece. But because Justin won the first leg, he he gets to take the fast food cup home this season. So I have to give him a a shout of congratulations on this episode. Justin, you got the better of me this season, but but I will put you in the deep fryer next year. You can count on that. All right, let's get to the to the to, to what really matters here, Brandon, which is the Hail Cheaters Super League. It's the it's the biggest league going. I mean, it is it is the most super league. That's it is sure. a super league. It, it really it, it truly is super. If uh, any if there are any diehard always cheating fans out there, you'll probably notice that I just actually changed the name of the league in the FPL game to the Hail Cheaters Super League. So it's yeah, official. It actually, threw me off a little bit when I saw that. It does. It breaks onto two lines now uh, when you look at it on your desktop, which I kind of don't like. But <laughs> but it is you know, fun to pull branding for branding. Yeah, exactly. The Hail Cheater Super League. All right, so let's let's get right to it. Uh, Owen O'Keefe hanging on in first place, a, a more than respectable 69 points. Behind him is uh, Melvin United, uh, new at number two. Uh, it's Melvin Mbazi. Mbazi. Well, it's on Melvin. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like I'd like Melvin if I met him. I think I think that name is it's just very it's a very good name, Melvin. That it, it is a good name. Uh, with a big 84 points, he is into second. Wow, how did he manage that? Uh, uh, that is a good question, and uh, one I don't know the answer to, but I, I will <laughs> find on, out. out. All right, no, I'm, I'm pulling up his his team here. He's he's uh, on that Scott Dan gravy train, and he he's got uh, Firmino, Ozil, Aguero, Mares, and uh, uh, Peter Check back there in gold doing the business. Yeah, you know, people laughed when we had. They all laughed, Brandon. When uh, we put Scott Dan in the most underrated fantasy asset category, I was actually the only one who voted for him. I think in this category, <laughs> uh, it was it, it's it's crazy how many goals this guy is is scoring. It's just yeah. really crazy, and on such a crummy team, that Crystal Palace team is is just kind of a joke right now. So here here are the five players we had in the not that I want to go through the whole poll right now, but just the, the most underrated fantasy asset. This is from the, the our one third season poll. So it's about we actually we need to do a two third season poll, Brandon. Maybe next week. Yeah, we're getting there. Uh, most underrated time. fantasy asset, less than ten percent ownership through, through game week twelve. Uh, it was Scott Dan, uh, who's been awesome. Uh, Arunda Kone, uh, who stinks, <laughs> and uh, I like to send a weekly reminder on Twitter about how much he's. How much he sucks. It's good because uh, I, for, I forget I forget how much he sucks. And then there Ross is the Barkley re- hit him clear on goal at the end of that match. So frustrating. <laughs> uh, Dusan Tadic, who is Tadic, Tadicing it up once again, which means uh, he'll like score a goal and then he'll come on like at the 83rd minute of the next match. Like no consistency at all. Yep. Uh, Gomez, who almost single-handedly kept Watford in this match, has been pretty good. And uh, Wijnaldum, who has been uh, explosive and absent, kind of in equal measure. 
Yeah, like like what you were saying with Tadich. So I guess Scott Dan is really the man from think, that list of players. I think so. Maybe Wijnaldum, possibly too. I think Wijnaldum's still in the top five or six in terms of overall points for. Yeah, Wijnaldum. He, he's interesting. Like I've just never been able to get on board because I mean he is in, he is so inconsistent when he comes through. He seems to come through in a major way. But how, what a frustrating player to have on your team. Yeah, totally. He, he's better as a fifth mid. He's too expensive as a fifth midfielder, but that's actually where he really belongs. Yep. Okay. So, uh, all right. So, Melvin, you, you totally took us down the the fantasy wormhole there. Let's get back. <laughs> yeah. Let's get back to the Super League yeah. table. But, but Who's it's in third yeah. place. But well, just to briefly, so Melvin kind of explains what this what what it took to be on top this week. Uh, he had basically all the players that you needed, which are Mares, Firmino, Ozil, Dan, Peter Cech. Yeah. Those were the, he had all the top players and he, he captain Aguero who, you know, picked up that late goal, which kind of saved all of us. I got to uh, tell you, I'm looking at Melvin's bench right now and it's a masterclass in how to pick your bench players. Cause he's got three really dynamite prospects, Igalo, Cresswell and uh, Daniels, Charlie Daniels from Bournemouth, who is the, the famous penalty taking defender. And the, the, the foresight to bench all these guys, um, Really, really great discipline there, Melvin. I applaud that. Yeah, and he's just he's just outside the top one thousand too. So mm-hmm. now Melvin got a lot of attention. Uh, I don't think we can do that for the rest of this group. But uh, <laughs> quick shot. Let's go. We'll keep running down through. So Calvin Chan's in third. Keddy Brunvall's in fourth. Uh, Muhammad Al Kiasi is in fifth. New to the top ten, and he he, he commented about how excited he was to hear the podcast because he was, he was going to get called out. So Graham, I'm going to bleep out his name. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just totally talked over it too. Uh, give, give him his McDonald's due. <laughs> uh, is into sixth place. That's Gam Chester United. All right, well uh, done, Graham. Well done, Graham. Sushant Garg in seventh. Sean Comiskey eighth. Colin Bothwell in ninth, and Gearmeld in tenth. So a lot of the usual suspects outside of Graham uh, hanging around yeah. the top. Yeah, man, the Hail Shooters Super League. It never fails to impress. It, I know it really is. I mean, like I, I dropped. I think I dropped one spot this week. Uh. So I went from two, it's like somewhere in the two hundreds, like a bit lower than I really should be. Like I should be at least. Uh, I, I am officially at one hundred and ninety ninth position. So uh, hanging on to page four. There you go. <laughs> All right. All right. It's, uh, it's never too never too late to join the Hail Cheaters Super League. You can find the the league code and an auto join link at our website, alwayscheating.com. Yeah, you can also find that code on Twitter. All right, Brendan, let's go right to the game week uh, twenty four review. Um, as suggested, uh, we'll we'll be a little short on the review this week, and then move on to questions and a game week twenty six preview because it's it's coming fast and furious. Okay, and I'm also follow your lead. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. No more time to delay. I'm going <laughs> to no, get quit. right to it. Quit stalling. Now. Yep. Starting starting in just a minute. I'm going to do this. Are okay, you ready? hold on. I'm, I got to get some water. <laughs> All right. So game week 25 review. First match. We already talked about it a little bit, so we don't have to go on too long. Lester, uh, the the Hooth game, the iCarly game, the Hooth game. Yeah, Vardy, fantastic. Uh, he actually looked fantastic. He didn't didn't score any points in the match. Yeah. Uh, to many people's frustrations, although I still, as I, as I said earlier, I think uh, you know I, it was just too early to bring him back. I, I don't. I mean, like I can understand the impulse to bring in Vardy, but I think that it was not quite the time to do it. Although maybe uh, you know, as we've said in many many episodes of the podcast, you can't look at these transfers in a vacuum. 
Um, it's really all about what you get long term. But I do think that away to Man City and away to Arsenal are probably the two uh, toughest fixtures you'd have. As a yeah, and there are enough strikers that are in form right now or had good fixtures lined up. Um, I mean, we didn't even talk about your Olivier Giroud transfer, but um, yeah, there there just wasn't a compelling enough argument for me to get Jamie Vardy in for this city game. Yeah. I mean, we can keep talking going into this Arsenal game, but I still think that game week 27 would be the earliest I'd think to get Vardy in. Yeah. And then I think by game week 27, he's, he's pretty much, okay. So let let me, let's get to, this is one of the questions for, uh, for this match and looking forward. I mean, so, you know, maybe not a way to Arsenal, but you know, game week 27 and game week 28. uh, Do you think that Vardy is a, is a must own essential player? So game week twenty, game week twenty seven, they are uh, home to Norwich, and that's also when four teams will be off. So he becomes even more valuable. Game week twenty twenty eight, they're home to West Brom team that I'm not even sure has three defenders anymore. I don't know if you've seen the the what the injury situation is for them right now, but it's it's pretty awful. I think West Brom they just lose every game by forfeit. Like I'm not even <laughs> sure they're playing anymore. Like, yeah, it's it's a tough spot. So Norwich, West Brom, then they're away to Watford, which is a very winnable match, and then they're home to Newcastle. So it's pretty phenomenal four game run. I, I I certainly plan to have three Leicester players for the, for those matches. Yeah, I'd go out on a limb and say he's a must starting game eight twenty seven, and I think it works out for most of us who are still hanging on to Big Rom mm-hmm. that um, because Everton blanks in game week twenty seven, it's just like a straight swap there, Vardy for Lukaku. Or, yeah. I mean, Lukaku for Vardy. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, I, I suppose if Lukaku hadn't been, um, hadn't been a doubt, I would have, I, I would have held on to him. I, I made a slightly risky transfer for Giroud, but the, the idea was always to have Giroud for two weeks and bring in Vardy in Gaming 27. So, I mean, you could argue that it's a waste of a transfer because I'm not keeping him that long, but I'm okay with that, you know? I mean, um, I, I, I don't think it was a bad transfer per se. The logic was there. Lukaku had, was on, what, like five blanks? And he was a doubt. I mean, we talked yeah. about this last week. We were all ready to knee-jerk him out of our teams. Yeah, and Everton have played, or not Everton, Stoke City have played very well at home against some pretty good teams this year. So I, I certainly thought a clean sheet was in their own possibility. I mean, I, I, I really would not have expected, nor, nor did we predict in the podcast, that Everton would would run over Stoke in that match. I mean, that was very um, yeah. That that against, Stoke team is against expectations. Ha- having a real problem right now. It's it's a strange one. It is a strange one. Yeah, I mean, Arnautovic, who looked so dangerous for a while, is just you know really in really in poor form. Yeah. Okay, so uh, FPL Junior. Okay, actually, before we get to the question, so Man City. Uh, you know, still feeling good about Aguero. Obviously, scores an, even when he is having an off game, he scores. He's just an unstoppable player. Yeah, Are the there- problem the problem was he just wasn't getting a lot of service, and I think that uh, City midfield is really dysfunctional right now. Um, I mean, F- Fernando, what what even is that guy? And he did not improve the team at all when he came in. I, I was actually disappointed at Fabian Delph. I really like him, but he had a terrible game. And I think I think if Silva is not on form, that Aguero just has a hard time getting the ball. But despite all that, you're right. He's still getting his shots on target, and he's still getting at least a goal a game. It's going to be a tough. I mean, like we may have to. Yeah, we. We're, I mean, I guess you know, as long as Aguero keeps scoring, then he's really not anyone you have to worry about. Uh, I'm certainly planning to start and captain him uh, at home this weekend to Tottenham. 
Um, oh, yeah. He loves to score against Tottenham. Yeah, exactly. But it is tricky. I mean, Sterling, I felt, looked okay. Uh, Yaya Torre, completely off the boil. Yeah, Silva, you know, subbed out. And then actually, do you see he has an ankle injury again? He's uh, 50-50 yeah. for this weekend. Which has been his... Um his cross to bear for yeah. many years now. It's like a perpetual thing for him. It really is. And uh, we, we saw it in the NBA with Grant Hill. And, you know, once you've got a bum ankle, it's just kind of dogs you for the rest of your career. So, uh, although Grant Hill had a nice little resurgence at like 35 years old. So maybe, maybe okay, Silva so, so so makes it to 35. <laughs> yeah, like in 2022 or something, Silva's going to be very dangerous again. I mean, if Silva is, is going to be out, that is a huge problem for Manchester City because who – who do they have? I mean, Samir Nasri is still uh, injured long term. And um, what did like you I think was, about this Bursant Selena? Oh, I'll tell you what. All I could think of was um, the uh, Santa's Workshop elves from Rudolph the Red-Nosed <laughs> Reindeer. He looked like he came straight from the North Pole. What is what a yeah. I feel like I, I follow I follow the league pretty closely, and that was a name that was completely off my radar. Uh, Bursant Selena. I, I mean, I have no idea if he's like a youth player. I mean, I know this is very unprofessional. This podcast is supposed to be <laughs> we're supposed to at least pretend that we know what we're talking about, but he was completely off the uh, off the table for me. Now, you have been advocating for him for a long time, as I later found out. Yeah, I mean, for those of you who subscribe to my Selena podcast. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, nuts for Selena. Uh, I, I and I encourage you all to subscribe. Um, yeah, no. Who who has heard of that guy? It, yeah, he he looked he looked ready for it. Um, he did. He looks, I mean, he looks he looks really yeah. young, but he came out. He was confident. He was making moves on the ball. Picked up the assist on the Aguero goal. Yep. So yeah, maybe maybe it's a Selena. Delph uh, forward line. Well, what, what's so what's so funny about it is he he's priced himself out of the game because nobody's ever heard of him. He's still sitting there uh, priced at four point five million. <laughs> so I mean, I know you're going to talk about your transfer at some point, but if you're looking at a fifth midfielder, there are just such stellar stellar options as low as four point two. It's true. Yeah, I, I agreed. And honestly, who knows when we'll see this guy again? I, you know, they do need next he's Christmas. Not, he's, he's another little guy. I mean, what they what, what that what they really needed was Wilford Boney. Uh, they needed someone with a lot of physical strength up front, and because <laughs> they I mean, they just they were really out muscled in that game. Uh, oh, it was, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, they just they had like, Lester. It's like it's they make it seem so easy, don't they? It's yeah. like all you need are a couple of skillful attackers. Uh, a rock solid defense and great team spirit, and you can win the league. It's yeah. like it's like something like a book. Like it never works that way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and now, granted, they they don't have any injuries, and as long as but as long as Vardy and Mares stay healthy all year, I, I don't know why they couldn't win it. Now, I mean, it's you know not, not that this is a this is still a fantasy podcast, but you know, it's just I mean, as long as those guys are producing, it, it really seems like it's it's it, it, the door is open for them. It's unreal. I mean, go Lester. Let's do this. So uh, FPL Junior asks, uh, would you rather get the Leicester or Chelsea defensive assets? Uh, you can only pick one for this week onwards. Oh, interesting. Um, I mean, Robert Huth, we're talking about the Huth game here, but these guys are, they're strategizing to win the league. And the way they're playing, they're, they're bound and determined to do it. And you look at a team like Chelsea, 
First of all, they, they're just not a strong team. They have great players, but they're not a strong team. They've proven it time and time again this season that they aren't. They've, they've kept some decent clean sheets in recent weeks, but still that's a difficult team to peg. So I would take uh, Leicester Defender. I mean, not to mention the fact that the Leicester Defenders are crazy cheap by comparison. If you take yeah. um, uh, Danny Simpson, uh, Robert Huth, yeah. he's, he's he's rising in price now, but he's still just at 4.4. Yeah, I mean, if you were looking, I mean, if you were looking at game week 20, 26, like just in one game week isolated, I want the Chelsea defense because they're, they're home to Newcastle and, and Leicester are away to Arsenal, but... Uh, you know, once you get past this game week, uh, you're talking about Norwich at home, West Brom at home, Newcastle at home, and three of the next four. So, um, yeah, I think if in anything larger than a one game vacuum, I would want a Chelsea or a Leicester defender over a uh, Chelsea defender. Uh, so I'm kicking myself right now. I mean, I am I not going to start Huth again next week away to Arsenal? Well, <laughs> I mean, you can't start. I I, I don't know. I mean. It, I wouldn't start him away. You can't have like that much recency bias where like, yeah, oh, like it's true. Ro- Robert Huth scored two goals. I mean, this is the same guy who did like a free kick that dribbled like <laughs> off the side of the pitch uh, just yeah. two weeks ago. I mean, you know, it's like he's not in good scoring form. Like he just like got lucky on two set pieces. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, I mean, I, I, I have a pretty decent lineup set at the moment. Aaron Quest, Cresswell away at Norwich. Uh, Virgil van Dyke away at Swansea and Glenn Johnson, though the Stoke team is a little questionable. They're away to Bournemouth. Um, but you have to have some faith that Stoke could get a result um, there. But so if, if I were to throw Robert Huth in for anybody, it'd be Glenn Johnson. Who's your fifth defender? Uh, that would be Eric Dyer. So oh, away um, to Man City, yeah, away to that. Man City. So, of course, Eric Dyer is probably on for two goals against City next week. So no problem. <laughs> All right, let's move on to, because we already started talking with them a little bit, let's move on to Man U-Chelsea. Interesting match. Uh, you said you, you so did you watch any of it, or were you listening? I, I watched, yeah, I watched, the, I watched the first half, and then I listened to half of the second half on the radio as I was walking to meet some friends for brunch, and yeah. then... And I was. I, I'm sorry I missed this brunch. By the way, it was. You know, uh, we we sent you many invites. You just you just weren't <laughs> picking up your mail that day. Apparently. So, wait, so were you walking with your wife to brunch, and you just had your headphones on listening to the game? Like, no, she she was coming from the gym, so I was meeting uh, okay. her there. Okay. Um, so I needed a clean sheet from David De Gea in our head to head, our fifty buck cup, mm-hmm. and he was on for his clean sheet. And the moment I sat down at brunch. It was like going into the 88th minute, and it all looked certain. De Gea was on for a bonus point. <laughs> yeah. he, was on, he was on seven already. Diego Costa then, diving all over the place, not even trying to shoot on goal. <laughs> so then, of course, I, 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 I look at my phone um, once we all start ordering and everything, and I see that Costa has scored. And I mean, I, my soul just fell out the bottom of my body, and I had a hard time making conversation for a while. <laughs> I think I texted you around that time. Around that time too, I was like, "Oh, yeah. what a match! What a match!" Oh, <laughs> uh, you were loving it. You were absolutely I, loving it. But I was, I, well, because it was it was like it, the game was getting. I, I okay, so I'm I I had sixty two all out, and I, you know I knew how the bonus points were getting distributed, and I you know because they. You know, the you know about fifteen minutes after the game, you know, kind of settles in the bonus points. I was like, all right, I just need, 
I need David De Gea to get less than seven points. Even if he gets a clean sheet, I'll still win the head-to-head. Yep. But if he gets seven, I'm screwed. And so he got that third save in like the 75th minute. I was like, oh my god, I'm screwed. And then and then he was on for like a couple of bonus points. And I was like, I, yeah. I'm not even going to tie. I'm actually going to lose this match now. From like, a, <laughs> like a nine-pointer from De Gea. Which would have been uh, a miraculous comeback for me after the disaster yeah. of an opening fixture. But then, then Memphis Depay happens. And uh, <laughs> it was – okay. I mean to be fair, it was a great pass from, from Hazard. I mean Hazard you know, has the vision – I mean vintage Hazard really. He has the vision to see, to, to see Costa you know, make this move, know that he's going to be onside, uh, you know, lifts the pass over the defense and he makes a – Costa made a pretty nice move around De Gea too and kind of – Yeah, it was – I mean he, he found himself in so much space. It was really pretty beautiful. Yeah, so it was. It was the whole match was really fun. I have to say, I really it I was. Really yeah, watching the first half as I did, it, it was really evenly matched. Like United had all of all of the momentum, like for the first twenty minutes, and then it completely switched over to Chelsea. I was I was really impressed at how good United looked for that first twenty twenty five minutes. They they looked yeah. a bit like a team reborn and. They, you know, just, we, they just, yeah, they just sat back too far after they scored, and uh, they just, they, they were really, they were, I mean, they were inviting a goal. I mean, it was, it was really conservative. I thought their play, yeah, uh, and they had a couple times when I felt like they really could have pushed for a second, and it just, it just didn't happen. So I, say, um, Dar- Darmian looked uh, fantastic from a defensive point of view for United. Yeah, and if it looks like his playing time is more consistent these days, he, he was making all the moves down the wing there. I was feeling a little nervous about this match too because I had. Uh, I, I have Chris Smalling, and I actually I, I benched Chris Smalling for Micah Richards, uh, which is just a move that that no one is ever comfortable doing. That is not a, <laughs> that is not a place you want to be. Yeah. Uh, but I just felt like you know why even have Micah Richards if I'm not going to play him at home to Norwich? You know, I feel I feel like the like three times you've actually played Micah Richards this season because let's be clear, you've had him all season. You've actually gotten something out of him. I think that's true. He scored a goal. In one match, and he had a clean sheet against West Brom, or versus West Brom, and then uh, the clean sheet in this match. So uh, you're you're working him correctly. Whatever you're <laughs> doing, it's exactly. working. He has his price falls further and further. I think he's at like two point seven million now or something. <laughs> so uh, yeah, my team value is. I've never had team value this low this far into a season before. Uh, so yeah, I really. Um, oh, what is your like, team yeah, value? So, Oh, I mean, I mean, it's it's a, it's above a hundred, but it's like it's like okay. one point, it's like a hundred, one hundred and two point five or something like that. You know, it's okay. really, I mean, for this far into a year, when I when I've had, you know, I mean, like Mara's alone is like a, like a full million right there that I picked yeah. up. Yep. So, uh, so I uh, yeah, so I'm sweating out small. It looks like he's about to keep, keep a clean sheet, and he's on for two bonus points. I'm like, ah, oh, this is so so conservative, Josh. And then, uh, <laughs> or, or not not conservative, it was the opposite. It was, it was so risky. Like, why why wouldn't I just stick with you know stick with the guy? Yeah. Um, and then he gets a handball, <laughs> and they lose the clean sheet, and turns in, turns into a one pointer for him. And it was really a, a wave because you know how it is. Like when you when you make it's not like. It shouldn't matter that that Smalling's on my bench scoring points. Like it should, it should be fine. It's not like you know, it's not like it's um, he's not so highly owned that it was going to be a huge deal. Yeah, uh, but it's like you want your decision to be justified by the players in your bench doing poorly. Hey, yeah. absolutely. I mean, yeah. imagine how I felt when um, Lester conceded to Aguero late in the game. I was like, ha ha, take that, Hooth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your two goals don't mean anything now. Yeah, no, no, no twenty-one pointer for you. <laughs> yeah, enjoy your sixteenth, fool. 
So I did something I almost never do. I, I really like to make transfers as late as possible. I mean, sometimes if I have two, I'll make one early. Uh, but in this case, I, I had one transfer, and I, I actually I brought in because he's about to his price is about to rise. I brought in uh, Lingard, and I finally dropped Ashley Westwood, who I've had forever. And uh, this I did it to solve to, I did it to solve a, a few different problems. One is that my I have no money in the bank right now. I'm actually at zero. Uh, and if his price rises, I wasn't going to be able to do a like for like uh, Lingard uh-huh. to Westwood swap, which is like the greatest ever swap, by the way. That's a huge uh, yeah. jump. Yeah, uh, and they're they're away to um, they're away to Sunderland in the next match, and they have to be feeling pretty good. And he scored a great goal. I, I think it's highly likely that he starts at least the next couple of matches, without a doubt. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I think his price is probably rising based on that goal, and also yeah. because we were big upping him on the last episode of Always Cheating. Oh, he's so. getting the he's getting the AC bump. There's no doubt yeah. about that. Absolutely. Uh, so, and I also I need five I need five strong midfielders for game week 27 because uh, I'll be I'll be I'm not going to drop Aguero, you know, so he'll be on my bench. Um, and well, uh, I, I'm curious I'm curious to talk about your benching strategy when we get to the game week 26 optimizer and we talk about the Spurs game. So put a pin in that one. Yeah. Anything I, else we need to say about this uh, Man U Chelsea game? I guess uh, what about Chelsea? Ru- Oh, what sorry, about Rooney? I mean, yeah. We, we kind of have to talk about Rooney week to week because he's always the hot topic. He, he gets he gets the assist here. So I guess I'm pulling up his record here to see what sort of streak he's on. He's on. Um, so game week 24, goal and an assist. He blanked in game week 23. But then prior to that, he's three weeks running with goals and assists. So Rooney is probably in the best attacking form of anybody on that United team. But if you if we, we kind of touched on this last week, but he's still he's ten point oh. Yeah, and he's expensive. He's, I, I suppose he's a bit of a differential if you you know if you have Vardy and I don't know. Yeah, it seems like there are better options. Uh, I mean, I think he, even Diego Costa is probably a better option at this point. Yeah, it's just yeah. That, it, it's just hard to be totally sold on Manu, even even given how much better they played the last few weeks. Yep. Um, it's just that they're just it's not a very consistent attack. I say this is somebody who just brought in a manu def- uh, attacker, but uh, four yeah, four point two is minimal risk. Ten point oh, yeah, I think you want slightly more consistent returns. Uh, FPL Junior asks uh, the second man. FPL Junior is getting some real play in this episode. Uh, do you think Chelsea's defense will be as good without Kurt Zuma? <laughs> yes, uh, I think it'll be the same, exactly the same. What do you think about Kurt Zuma, Brennan? <laughs> you know how I feel about Kurt Zuma. Um, I don't. I don't have any strong opinions about him. I think he just he he kind of plays out of control. Like he he kind of goes for it a little too hard sometimes, mm-hmm. and I think that's actually how he destroyed his knee. Yeah, um, he's pretty young still. I mean, you know how? I mean, he's probably like twenty one or twenty two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they can basically sl- slot Gary Cahill into that Zuma role, and I don't think there's a huge drop off there. No, I mean. Cahill is uh, is a little slower, I think, but he ha- he has very serviceable to... backup, though. Yes, yes, he's a national team player. He's a smart guy. Uh, <laughs> I've seen his I've seen his uh, A level scores. He he did very well. He's a very top bright, think- bright, bright yeah, one, one of one of the best thinkers we have in the game right now. Actually, <laughs> Gary Cahill. Gary Cahill. Uh, all right, let's move on to Southampton West Ham. Uh, I don't want to say too much about this because we talked about Southampton a lot last week. Uh, two things I want to ask you, Brandon. One is uh, is Payet overrated? Feels like he is the uh, he was the, he was the transfer de jour for for several weeks now. Uh, going back to uh, when he scored ten points in his uh, kind of kind of his big comeback match, first match he started. Yeah, uh, it might have you, even been eleven points. 
I think it was ten because I, I had him for that game. Oh, okay. <laughs> I remember. I remember it well. Uh, so, do you think? Um, I mean, how how do you how are you feeling about Pi? You brought him in uh, after after the, his big return. Yeah, after he got eleven points in game week twenty one. I'm looking at it right now, buddy. It was eleven points. Damn it! <laughs> I'm right. Uh, I. I agree. It's been a real disappointment that he hasn't gotten any returns since that big haul. But you look at their their upcoming fixtures, and they're still incredibly tantalizing. Like the Southampton game, they were playing away. I didn't have any great faith that West Ham was really going to do it. But you look at their upcoming run, they're away to Norwich, then they're home to Sunderland, then they, they host Spurs. <laughs> getting, getting, getting emotional. I mean, I'm sure he'll score again, Brandon. Don't, don't. <laughs> no need to cry. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it and have a little patience. I honestly haven't seen him play since that Manchester City game, where mm-hmm. even though he didn't score any points, it looked like he was clearly the best player on the field. Um, I thought he looked pretty he looked okay in that so the southern match was certainly the toughest of his recent run of fixtures i mean he he he's had so many matches where he could have scored and, and should have scored and it's just it hasn't really happened for him yet but i mean norwich away is definitely a maverick captain you know it's it's sort of like uh like firmino at home last week you know it's if you don't want a captain aguero i think captain yeah. pie at away to norwich is a very very strong option in fact he'll probably be my vice captain this week uh, just yeah. the off chance that something happens to Aguero. Yeah, I have him tapped as my vice captain as well. Um, so, yeah, Payet, it's frustrating, but I think he's still and, – and he plays in game week 27. He's got a great fixture in game week 27, just home to Sunderland. So, uh, yeah, he's definitely a um, – He's it's been frustrating, but he's still one of the one of the you know, he's, he's, he's certainly – I don't know if he's essential, uh, but I do think um, – No. I, I would not be making a move to get rid of him right at, at the moment. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, uh, he didn't. He did. He did even hit the woodwork in this game. I mean, that's been his mo the last three three he, weeks. He did. He had a couple of good moves. He looked. He looked dangerous, but it, he had a couple of free kicks that didn't really do anything. So I, I think he was. He was a little off this week. Not not his best week. Yeah. All right. Second question. Southampton been playing great. Uh, Charlie Austin still not starting, unfortunately. Very glad I did not bring in Austin, which was a, a major punt that I was considering. Charlie almost awesome. Did, almost did score at the end. Uh, so are you are you interested in the idea of doubling down on Southampton's defense? Is that something that that you would think about? Maybe not, maybe not this week, maybe not next week, but but someday soon, and for the rest <laughs> of your life. Soon, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, okay, I, I I I think I've said it on at least one episode of uh, Always Cheating, but I do have a fondness in my heart for Maya Yoshida. Uh, so, so it's pretty terrible, but you know, (laughs) it's kind (laughs) of terrible. Um, I mean, I don't really have any interest in Southampton attacking assets right now, but their defense, as you, as you wisely point out, has just been so, so amazing recently. Frazier Forrester looked so good in that West Ham match. He was phenomenal. Yeah. They just could not break that defense. I mean, another Wanyama red card, uh, I think it was his third this season. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and you really never felt they don't. I mean, like there was like a bit of a siege going on near the end, but it never felt like they were in that much danger because that defense really just held together so well. Yeah, five clean sheets in a row. They've got that swagger. You and I both have Virgil Van Dyke in our back lines, and I'm loving him right now. Yeah, and he he's he didn't get any bonus points this week, but he's a bit of a, a bonus magnet. Yeah. So if you're if you're looking to spend some money in that Southampton defense, I think VVD is the way to go. But yeah, if if when I if a 
if a okay. double up is if the double up is on the cards, it would definitely be a defender plus Fraser Forster. I think that when I do wild card, it's a near certainty that I'll have Forster on my as one of my keepers. And uh, so in that case, and I probably hold, hold on to Van Dyke. So I'll probably have a Van. D- I probably will ultimately double double up on Southampton whenever I do end up making my uh, using my second wild card. I mean, I can't believe that this the streak will last for the rest of the season. But they do have a really nice lineup of fixtures with Swansea, Chelsea, Bournemouth, Sunderland, Stoke. You could see so many more clean sheets coming up in the very near future. You, really, I mean, that's that's really the thing is there there are very few matches down the line for them where you're you're really, I mean, so they have Man City and Spurs and game week thirty six and thirty seven. Okay, those are tough ones, uh, but other than that, I mean, it's you know maybe away to Leicester. I mean, even that match, I just feel like you could be you could comfortably start a Leicester, a Southampton defender for the rest of the season in nearly every match. Yeah. Now, see, we. We claim that Virgil van Dijk is due for a goal, and let's be clear, he still is due for a goal. It was a little unfair that Maya Yoshida took the goal this past week. I totally agree. and uh, <laughs> that, that should have been van Dijk's. <laughs> and actually, he was like right behind him, too. It could have been van Dijk's. Uh, I know. It feels like everyone in that team is scoring but van Dijk. It's, uh, it's very frustrating. All right, Brandon, enough of, the, enough of the game week. Let's move on to some hot topics. And when I say hot topics, all I actually mean are questions that we got on Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, El Magico says, uh, benching roulette, leave one out of Alexis, Ozil, Mares, Payet, or Alley for game week 26. And this, this is why it is so tricky to have five strong <laughs> midfielders. I mean, yeah. who do you – okay, so – Let's let's make this very easy uh, to start. I okay. well, okay. Alexis and Ozil home to Leicester. Definitely, I would definitely start both of them. Uh, and Pi it away to uh, Norwich. You got to start him too. You're so confident about Arsenal against Leicester, and my my concern is that Alexis Sanchez does not look fully fit yet. He'll he'll surely start, and at some point he will explode. The problem is if you have Alexis in your squad, you kind of have to play him because he costs so much dang money. Yeah. I think that with with Olivier Giroud, they have the kind of strong strong center forward that they really need to break down this Leicester defense. Says, says the Giroud owner. <laughs> well, be that as it may. This is also an Arsenal team that, that dropped, what, five goals against Leicester when they played him in the first half of the season? Uh, I know that Leicester was a lot more wide open than they are now, but I don't know. I just feel like Arsenal at home, you, 10 million defenders. I mean, I, like you said, I mean, Alexis is too expensive to bench, I think. Um, I mean, you don't bring him in unless you're going to play him in a, basically every home match. Right. Uh, Ozil, obviously, you wouldn't, you wouldn't bench him, um, especially – I mean, he's, he's Mesut Ozil. Like, he, there's always a chance of, at the very least, an assist, right? Yeah. Payet, you got to start him away to Norwich. Yeah. Uh, and then it's down, to, it's down to Mares and Ali. And Ali, I suppose, is a possible benched out just given that he's had this – you know, he has this, like these dizziness issues. So, he's got vertigo. Um, He's, is that what he has, really? Is that true? I, I don't know. I really oh, don't okay. know. Uh, so I think I would start Mares and I'd bench Alley. That's when I'm actually planning to start Lingard and bench Alley. So there you go. I will. Pro- I will be playing um, Deli Alley because uh, Junior Stanislaus is my fifth midfielder, and I think he's a much easier benching option. But taking this list, it's your log- I see your logic. Your logic is sound, Josh. Ali is the one to bench. Yep. Okay. Good. Uh, problem solved, El Magico. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, Chris Morin asks, 
worth holding on to Moreno, uh, even with a double game week on the horizon for him, or ship for possibly Ivanovich or Font this week. Uh, and then he says, you got to take into consideration that Moreno is a nice fixture on paper this week versus Villa. So it's a horrible spot to be in with Moreno because obviously any everyone who has Moreno is desperate to get him out of their team. Right? Yeah. It's, it's so it's just this like frustrating run of, of he sort of teases you and you think he's finally going to deliver and he's got this attacking threat and you just it just it's just not happening for him. And uh, and now you're like, all right, finally time to get rid. But it's kind of a tricky game week from a defensive point of view. And uh, Liverpool match against uh, Aston Villa is about as good a defensive fixture as you're going to get this week. So I really think it's uh, I think you've got a hold for one more week, as painful as it is. Nope. Get rid. I'm here to tell you, <laughs> get rid. I dropped uh, Jordan Henderson in a heartbeat. That team, that Liverpool team is a complete mess right now. As we've discussed, they've been playing like a game every other day and like big games to boot. They look disorganized. They look tired. Yeah. I guess we don't have enough context here. We don't, we don't, we don't have the full team to know if there are other, maybe he's got, you know, like a pretty solid team elsewhere and doesn't need to make him. I mean, I, you, I guess you could save the move. Uh, for game week 27 and then you'd have two and you could bring them out then well, i think that's the thing it's either you get rid of them this week or you get rid of them ne- next week it depends on how strongly you feel about getting font getting a southampton defender in for this week right i mean i and i'd advise you to do that because you're gonna have to drop him next week when liverpool blanks anyway yeah and yeah and the man matching game week 28 is against man city so you know it's even even if you yeah, exactly. So you, you want to get rid of Moreno, whether you do it this game week or next week. For the love of God, get rid of Alberta Moreno. <laughs> I even, think the even lat- with the possible double game week coming up. I mean, you're probably going to end up wild carding before the double game week anyway. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and trust us, Moreno's value isn't going to go up. You'll still be able to afford him if you really want him that bad, yeah, back ag- that badly. Agreed. Uh, all right. So let's move on to uh, Owen O'Keefe, who says uh, has trading one player has trading one player you've had a long time ever messed you up. He says, with De Bruyne, I played 3-4-3 every week. Now I've got benching issues. Uh, so I, I have the, the, the memory that I have of this. So the first thing that came to mind, at least, when he asked the question. Yeah. Um, is I think basically it's – I think the, the basic question is something changes to your team structure. Yeah. Uh, and you're playing a different formation uh, than you used to or they're just whatever, for whatever reason the decision-making isn't as easy as it used to, as it used to be. And for me, this typically happens when I'm trying to play when I have five strong midfielders. And I remember last yeah. year, uh, near the end of the season, I was I, I was playing this like season long game of catch up uh, with uh, with uh, this guy Ben in our league. And um, so my like experimental move was to go was to go five across the middle, and uh, and then I and then I brought in Saito Barahino, and I was like, well, Barahino's not that good. So, or like, you, you know, he's like, oh, he's not to- Tony Pulis stuff. over here. <laughs> he's not a, yeah, well, yeah, he's not worth 23 million or whatever. Uh, so Berahino, uh, not that strong. Don't want to play him week in and week out. This will be very easy, but it turns out it's actually very difficult not to play three forwards. At least it is for me. And I felt like every game week I was just agonizing over, over, you know, whether to play Barahino or bench him. And then, and then if Barahino like scored a, a goal in a match, I was like, well, do I, do I have to stick with him now? Like, is he, cause he's in good form yeah. or do I have to drop him? Because the plan was always to drop him for tough fixtures and play the five man midfield. And 
you know, so I don't know. Yeah, I think you can get yourself in trouble sometimes. I'm sure I, – I don't think I've ever really had four strong defenders, but I imagine it's the same – you have the same problem with that. Yeah, totally. I mean, playing the three strikers is always the game because that's always the the surest route to goals, like unless you're Crystal Palace or West Brom where it's only goals from their defenders. But <laughs> earlier the, earlier this season, I remember when I picked up Deli Ali, he was um, – he was just dirt cheap at the time, and I brought him in to be my fifth midfielder, and that was right around the time that he hit form. And yeah. I can't remember exactly what my full lineup was across the middle, but they, my midfielders were basically all undroppable. And like many of us, uh, I ended up benching Mares at inopportune moments and missing out on like 14 points. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it happens. And there's something to be said about getting somebody in – who you who you're very happy to bench every week like the junior Stanislaus's of the world where they're never going to set the world on fire if you ultimately have to play him or bring him in as an auto sub you're probably going to get some points yeah i think the the, the the problem that happens is you know especially when there are low price forwards that are playing well you, know, you bring in these these cheap players. I mean, you know, for a long time this season, you would have been very happy with uh, a very cheap, I mean, a forward line that could have been, you know, Jamie Vardy, Agallo, and I mean, you could have had Vardy, Agallo, and Dini for like a good eight week run there, and you would have been pretty happy. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the problem is when there are a lot of good, when there are a lot of low scoring, you know, cheap forwards, um, you end up having a lot of extra money. And yeah. when you have all that money, your first thought is, well, I want to like, I want to redistribute this around the team. And then what happens is you end up with five strong midfielders because you've got the money to have five strong midfielders. Yeah. Um, and it's really not it's it's not actually not really a problem other than the like the mental anguish of <laughs> trying to like decide what to do every single game week. I mean, it does it, to me. It actually just, just, it just think about that the bench fun boost. out of the game. To, it's so stressful. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, you just have to think about that. How beautiful it's going to be when you ultimately play your bench boost. Yeah, that's true. That, that one out of 38 weeks when you play him. <laughs> uh, all right, last question from uh, Matthew Greco at Get Noise. He says, uh, I love saying that. That's a great name for a Twitter. That's a great Get Twitter. Noise. Get Noise. Get uh, Noise. It says, uh, with a blank game week coming up in game week 27 and Sturridge possibly back, uh, which, uh, you know, we'll what? see. <laughs> uh, is it worth keeping Firmino? Uh, his false nine days may be over. So I think I think it is. God, it's a tough one, actually. I mean, I would keep Firmino for for this fixture, certainly, uh, versus Aston Villa. Would I, think, I drop him for game week 27? I, 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 it's certainly possible because, you know, if there were, if it was a one-week blip, you know, where he, like he, was, he was off in game week 27 and then they had a strong fixture, you know, right after that, it would be different. But he's yeah. off in game week 27 and they immediately play Manchester City. Um, and it's, you know, it's just a tough run. I mean, I granted actually, I think he scored a goal. Yeah. A city, a city team, which Liverpool completely annihilated. That was like Klopp's big coming out party. Yeah. That feels uh, like a long time ago though. It, it, it surely does. But we, we were just talking about how lots of teams might be stacked in the midfield because of how we're spending our money on our strikers. And, uh, if get nice, if he's got a decent midfield that he can rotate in game week 27, Firmino, I'd be very happy to bench for one week. I mean, his form has definitely been much more consistent of late. And mm-hmm. if you feel strongly about him keeping that going, just stick with him. I mean, you're probably going to end up making a transfer that doesn't that doesn't pay off anyway. So, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I'd stick with him too. I mean, I, if it were again, me, I'd, I'd make a crummy transfer. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I probably would too. I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one. I mean, again, this is it's hard to know without seeing the full team. I mean, I, if you, uh, you know, like if Firmino is the only other player that like like if you had like Aguero and Firmino, you know, get away with keeping those two guys on the bench for the game, playing game week, then maybe. I I don't know. I mean, his his value hasn't risen that high. I mean, it's not yeah. like you're in a situation where, you know, it's funny because we talked about this on a podcast recently, but I think it's worth reiterating. It's, this is idea sometimes that if you drop a player, it's like you don't want to bring him back right away. It's like you don't want to admit that you made a mistake or something. Yeah. I mean, I, I know I'm guilty of this sometimes. Like even with like Jamie Vardy, who I, I dropped just a couple of weeks ago, and now I'm like, oh, like, am I really going to bring him right back in? You know, yeah. or like like you with Mares, but it's just you just have to like swallow your pride, you know. <laughs> just yeah. And, yeah, and with Liverpool blanking in 27, there's not going to be a run on Liverpool players, so it's yeah. it's it's basically guaranteed that Firmino's value isn't going to go up if you drop him. Yeah, so, and so yeah, so you can drop him and then and then you know bring him back in for you know game week twenty nine, you know way to Crystal Palace or something like that. Yeah, but. I think both of us are going to be, I mean, at least Aguero, we're going to be benching in game week 27. So I think everyone's going to be benching somebody, some valuable player in 27. Yeah, exactly. So that, that, yeah, and this is again why I brought in Lingard because you're going to need that fifth midfielder uh, if you've got Aguero on your bench. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I think we are ready to go to the optimizer, Brandon. I feel like we, that was pretty fast. Like we, we moved through that stuff pretty quickly. I've seen faster, but it was pretty good. It was pretty good, <laughs> it's pretty, Josh. It's pretty good. <laughs> All right, let's fire up the optimizer. Let's get in and let's do this. Game week twenty six. All right, uh, early morning fixture. And this, I, I'm, I got to say, I'm pretty excited about these game weeks, Brandon. Uh, actually, I think we're watching together on uh, on Sunday, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah, a special little... Valentine's Day, always <laughs> cheating outing. <laughs> Valentine's Day soccer watch. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I really am going to be watching a lot of soccer this weekend, I think, Brandon, because uh, my wife is going to a writer's retreat in Florida, Uh and I'm going to have the house to myself, and I I might have like three or four screens watch. I mean, I'm really going to just blow it out. You You do love an auxiliary screen. Yeah, I'm going to have the 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 TV, the computer, like possibly my phone. It's going to be like I don't even know, like some some futuristic movie with a lot of TV screens. Okay, insert <laughs> yeah, your own like insert minor, your own Minority Report, that sort <laughs> that's of thing. That's something I was actually thinking of. Yeah, exactly. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be doing that thing where I use my hands and I'm going to slide the games across the screens. You know, like they always do in those movies. Sounds wonderful. Yeah, it is. Uh, all right, so let's get to it. Sunderland host Man United early morning match on Saturday. What do you think? Uh, I think this is a great fixture if you've got United assets. Sunderland, I know Sunderland is a tricky team though. Somehow they just find a way to score. So a clean sheet for United is going to be tough. I wouldn't bet against it, but um, I will. I will start David De Gea with some trepidation. I think it'll be tight. I think United will probably eke it out, like two to one, or, or maybe they'll get a three to one result. Yeah, I think uh, I was just really impressed with them in that match, as, as I know you were saying you were as well uh, earlier in the podcast. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think this is a pretty easy win for, for Man United in the end. I think it's like a 2-0 or 3-0 win. Uh, I just thought they, were, there was a lot of, they showed a lot of team spirit in that match uh, versus Chelsea. A bit unlucky to concede the goal late. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Lingard's playing well. Rooney's playing well. 
Uh, defense looks a lot stronger, like you said. Uh, Darmian seems much imp- vastly improved the last few weeks. Maybe yeah. that's because uh, Hall is playing, finally playing him. I don't know. I mean, spare, uh, spare a moment for young Bothwick Jackson. He looks great. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he also plays with this very strange expression on his face. He's, he's a bit of a mouth breather. But, yeah, four, uh, four million, right? Isn't that Jackson's uh, possible possible option? Uh, it's too bad they're you know if if they weren't hosting Arsenal in game week twenty seven, he'd be a, a really good option. Yeah, uh, I think there's the too good of a chance of Arsenal scoring in that match to make him like a must must pick up player. Yeah, I agree. But if 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 you're if money's tight, definitely worth a look. Yeah. So yeah, the a tougher run of fixtures for Sunderland continues. I mean, they you know they play play Chelsea, they play. Uh, Liverpool inspiring comeback victory against Liverpool. I will say, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure, unreal, unreal. Yeah, do you do you think the walkout had anything to do with it? I mean, the fact they they conceded two goals after the fan walkout. I don't know. <laughs> have I mean, not watched. Uh, I, I haven't. I, I didn't watch the game, so I I can't really say how they can how they conceded. But yeah, I mean the. The team is not really mentally sound anyhow at the moment, so it's not surprising that they. Yeah, I don't blame the fans for the. I'm I'm all for fans' rights, and you know, like it was a. Re, I, I, you know, I don't blame them for walking out, but um, yeah, I thought it was. Um, I mean, the it, Liverpool it seems, season is, yeah. is done. Is done anyway, so it's not like them. They're walking out, costing Liverpool two points. Is is like totally screwing the club long run. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's true. Uh, all right, so uh, next match is uh, Bournemouth hosting Stoke. Okay, so um, Stoke Stoke is going to come back at some point, maybe. Uh, like I was saying earlier, I'm going to start Glenn Johnson. Um, I'm going to be a little cautious about it, though, because Stoke just, they haven't looked the same since Shawcross went out of that defense, and they have no goals at the moment. Yeah, I'm probably going to be starting Butlin in this game too, and I'm not. I'm not doing so with a lot of confidence. It's, yeah. it's either Butlin or Schmeichel away to uh, Arsenal, so it's, it's got to be Butlin. But uh, yeah, not feeling great about that one. Bournemouth had their chances against Arsenal, and they do they do play a really exciting brand of football, but the finishing touch just uh, escapes them time and time again. So I, it kind of depends on uh, what Bournemouth shows up. Yeah, uh, on Saturday, but I I would I would favor Stoke slightly here. I think I, this to me, I, I'm, I'm going to predict a one, one draw. I think, I think a phobe is back in the goals and uh, I think, uh, I don't know someone on. Yeah. I mean, they just haven't been healthy. That's really the problem with Stoke. I mean, like it was a very short lived experience, but there was a time when, when Bojan, Shakiri, and Arnautovic were all healthy and it yeah. was like this crazy, like continental mix. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it, once they it once was, they get it was that like back, the free it was like the free breakfast at Hampton Inn. It was that continental. <laughs> it was it was very continental. Uh, that was a pretty good joke. I, I should have left that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll insert a laugh track uh, when I edit this episode together. So, so they're all healthy, you know, though, right? I mean, did they all have they all did they all play uh, Shakira? I guess they did. Did they? Bojan didn't play uh, at, at home to Everton. Uh, okay. I think Jeff Cameron is a big miss for them, and I don't say that just as an American fanboy. Yeah, but his presence in the defensive mid for them earlier in the season was, I think, uh, a real big, yeah, a well, real Ryan, big thing for them. Ryan Shawcross too. Yep, it's tricky. I mean, Bournemouth is at home, so maybe you favor them because of that. It's a, just a tough one to call. Agreed. Uh, next match is Crystal Palace hosting Watford. 
Ah, it just gets grimmer and grimmer. This is a, this is a, a grim slate of, of fixtures. Uh, I would love I would love a win for Watford here. Watford have kind of been going through the doldrums lately. Mm-hmm. You gotta love that team. And uh, Crystal Palace is just garbage at the moment. Yeah, I think I think Watford also. I, I agree. They I, they I, you know they really could have. Uh, I, they deserved a draw in that. Uh, well, I don't know if they deserved a draw. Gomez deserved something. <laughs> yeah, he, he deserved, deserved a, he, deserved, he deserved the man of the match award. He deserved like a free hoagie sandwich or something like that. Like here's to you. Gomez, enjoy the yeah. sandwich. We could have we could have talked about that uh, that match as one of our um, fixtures. It was a pretty interesting match, and, and Trippier looked fantastic. Uh, he sure I knew, did. I knew it was only a matter of time because he he was so good on Burnley last year, and you figured uh, you know eventually he'd find a way to assert himself into that you know get into the squad. It is interesting how those wingers have taken shape on Spurs, and now Ben Day. You, you start with Kyle Walker and Danny Rose, and somehow they've morphed into Ben Davies and and Trippier. And I have they, so much respect for Pochettino, and it feels like he's making all the right moves. Like it just, just the way he's rotating those defenders and, and the attackers. It just seems like he's really. He's got a great feel for this team. I really hope he stays with this team for a while, and they really kind of grow around him. Yeah, if he moves to Man United, it'll be it'll be sad. It'll <laughs> be depressing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I agree. I think I think Watford wins that match. Uh, I'll predict a two-one Watford win. Yeah, I mean, unless it's going to be three and three for Scott Dan, uh, Crystal Palace. That's, that's the I'll, one. <laughs> oh, that is the one. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't see Crystal Palace winning a, a game for the rest of the season. All right, so <laughs> that's, ever- my, that's my bold prop proclamation in this week's optimizer. <laughs> they probably still have enough points, right? They, they have to win like one more match, and they'd, they'd stay up. They'll, uh, they'll have a few draws. They'll have a few draws. Okay, that'll get draws. them to safety. Everton hosting West Brom. Now this is this is a frustrating one because you know having punted on Lukaku, you know, just feeling like the moment was over. Now you've got this. And to be to be fair, I mean Lukaku scored on a penalty, and that was basically yeah. the only worthwhile thing he did in the entire match. <laughs> did you see what he said to Ross? It looked like after that penalty, he says to Ross Barkley, "I'll get one, then you get one." Because Barkley coming off of two penalties, he tried to tr- he tried to take the penalty, and Lukaku took it away from him. Oh, <laughs> yeah! I missed that. Yeah, uh, I don't know if he took it. Have... I mean, it, it wasn't like a Kevin Morales, Slayton Baines thing from a couple of years ago, but it looked like, uh-huh. like the Ross Barkley was like, "Come on, man! I just made like two four days ago. Like, give me, you know, give me this." And Akaka was like, "No, no, no, uh, this is mine." So that was like the only time he really, you know, like it was a, it was a well taken penalty, but he wasn't really threatening the rest of the match. Yeah, uh, and there's kind of a, even like I mean, I really don't hold. I mean, he I, did okay, put a header but, off the woodwork though. Oh, did he really? Oh, that's right. He did, didn't he? So, but yeah, it, it, it's tough. Brandon, that's, say, uh, what, what work is not a shot on target, my friend. It's true. It is off target, <laughs> technically speaking. That's fair. That's a fair point. But I, I think this is Lukaku's swan song. This is the last uh, fixture in which us FPL managers will have Lukaku because we'll all have to dump him for game week 27. I'm glad that I have Ross Barkley in this match. So I at least have a little bit of, of coverage. So I don't know. There's a case to be made for sitting Lukaku in week 27 because they have Villa in game week 28. So if you're able to ride, ride out the blank with Everton, why not? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I I may end up having two bench players that in game week twenty seven. Yeah, we'll we'll see. It's a, it's a, it's a tricky one. What about Aaron Lennon? You going to pick up Aaron Lennon for this West Brom game? <laughs> no, he got forget, really forget Lingard. That um, he should he should have passed that ball to Lukaku anyway. 
Yeah, I agree. All right, so that brings us to... Um, so we're predicting like a 10 nothing win for Everton against West Brom, right? This could be like 4 nothing. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, speaking of uh, non-Aguero captain shouts, I, I guess I, I probably go... I mean, honestly, you, maybe... Aguero, okay, if we, if we were ranking our captains this game week, I think I would go Aguero, Payet, and Lukaku. But I could be convinced um, to go Aguero, Lukaku, Payet. Yep. Yep, I'd agree with that totally. It's one or the other. So four nothing Everton is my prediction. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. I'll back you. Uh, Norwich West Ham. Yeah, which is we already kind of talked about this already. So let's 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 make it. Let's let's let's, let's go. You know, let's touch on this briefly. Starting, uh, I'm starting Aaron Cresswell, vice captaining Payet, perhaps if if Big Rom doesn't get it, mm-hmm. and I'm feeling pretty groovy about it. I agree, and uh, I think that. Yeah, I think this is like a 3-1 West Ham win. Uh, I mean, we, we've talked about the great run of fixtures that West Ham has, but I think Payet's ownership is in real trouble if he doesn't produce anything here against Norwich. Yep, I, I agree. I mean, obviously, you're not going to be able to drop him for a couple of weeks. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's no reason to think of him as essential if he's going to get two or three points in every every game week. I mean, I think he's, he's on a run of four with nothing. So, uh, you know, a little bit of the luster is gone, that's for sure. Yeah, but we'll we'll expect numerous goals for West Ham against Norwich, and I'm yeah. hoping for a clean sheet with Aaron Cresswell. And I think that's pretty easy expectation. I agree. So uh, let's move on to uh, Swansea Southampton. Uh, a couple of frustrating draws in a row now for Swansea, um, and I don't fancy them to win this game either. I think that this is probably like a one nothing or two nothing Southampton win. Yeah, Gilvy Sigerson has been delivering though, and if he has, absolutely. If you've got him in your midfield, you have to be a happy owner. And he's like we were saying uh, last week. I think it was he's outshining Andre Ayew for the first time this season. Yeah, but but, but, but what would you rather have as a, a, a like slightly more informed Swansea team or this Southampton defense, which looks like it's just absolutely crushing it right now? Yeah, I think you can just go listen to the first 15 minutes of this podcast and answer that question for yourself. There you go. <laughs> it's very, very nice, Brian. <laughs> Thank just, you. Just, just put it on repeat. Chelsea, Newcastle, the late fixture on Saturday. Uh, what do you think? Well, I'm hoping it's a fun game. If you remember um, earlier in the season, I think we saw it was game week seven. Newcastle had a great game against Chelsea. And, uh, I mean, they ended up drawing 2-2, but Wijnaldum had... Uh, a goal, and your your buddy Ayozi Perez also scored. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I, I would just hope from a fan perspective it would be as fun as that match, but Chelsea is clearly a much different and more evolved team since Game Week 7. So they'll, they'll make it they'll make it tougher for Newcastle. I find this to be a, a slightly difficult game to predict because Newcastle is looking a lot stronger than they than they. I mean, they, honestly, I, I don't know that I think they'll even be relegated at this point. Um, it seems like they have enough now with um, John Joe Shelby with John with John Joe and and even with Andros Townsend. I mean, I, I'm not a huge believer in Andros Townsend, but from what I've seen so far with him on uh, on this on Newcastle, he looks like he's. It looks like he's going to be a valuable player for them. So, you know, God bless him. Yeah, I think they did well enough in the transfer market. I agree. I would be actually shocked if the Newcastle team ends up going down. I mean, there's just so much garbage around them that will probably fall uh, below 
wherever Newcastle ends up. Yeah. I, I think that Costa is playing well enough right now and, and really and really focused. I mean, he's, it's still frustrating that he doesn't commit himself to just shooting more often. You know, it yeah. seems like he's, he's, he's playing so many games. It's like, I think he gets in his own head a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think this is a two, one Chelsea win. Yeah. I'm going to back you on that one. It, it's such, it, it is a tough one to call. I, it is a tough one. Uh, all right. Arsenal Lester on Sunday, really looking forward to this one. My God, we we've had so many like top top fixtures just uh, with uh, this past game week, and now Arsenal playing Leicester—just insane matchups. Yeah, totally. I think, I think uh, so. Yeah. It's going to be a lot. It's going to be a much tougher matchup for Leicester here against Arsenal because I think Arsenal does play a fa- a much faster pace than City does. I think City was just yeah. overrun by how fast and physical Leicester was. Yeah, I mean, so, I think that I mean, you know, you can't really compare Montreal and Bellerin to. Um, so the problem, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Man City match. I mean, they started Zabaleta and Kolarov. Two, I mean, Zabaleta is a, a really crafty, smart player, but he's not. He's not very fast, and Kolarov barely defends. Right? He's so like focused on like taking corner kicks and free kicks and scoring uh-huh. goals and stuff like that. Yeah, he's an action man. So I think that in Bellerin and Montreal, Leicester, Leicester will be more neutralized than they were, um, just because we all know how good uh, Bellerin in particular is just amazing at tracking back and 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 you know stopping forwards from, yes. from you know running in on, on Peter Cech. You know, so I, I do think that they, I think I think it's a better, yeah, like like I said, I think it's a tougher matchup for Leicester. Um, I think the I think there will be goals on both sides. It wouldn't yeah. shock me if Vardy scored, um, but I could also see this game being really. Tetchy and scoreless. I mean, I could see this game being like a one nothing. I, I know I'm like predicting every outcome now, so just to <laughs> to force myself into a corner, I'm going to predict a one nothing Arsenal win. Ah, I think interesting. Uh, yeah, I just think that they'll get. I think it'll be a really. I, neither team wants to lose this game. Losing this game is is really harmful for both teams. I mean, Arsenal, yeah. I know, want to win, but the Leicester really don't want to lose this match. Right. Uh, so it, w- it wouldn't even be shocking if Mares didn't start. I mean, that's the, you know, like we've seen him do this before uh-huh. uh, in games where he's really playing for a draw. So I mean, it pr- you probably can't do that given Mares' form at the moment. But uh, you could see Mares getting subbed like in the 60th minute or something like that if, if it's still a nil-nil match. So okay. uh, yeah, so, one nothing is my prediction. So uh, about a month ago, you guaranteed a Chelsea clean sheet and uh-huh. you promised everyone free tacos. Yeah. Uh, Still, and, oh, I, I know. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, but but then we, we, double, we did double or nothing, and I promised an enchilada to everybody if uh, – I can't remember uh, for what, but, but I, I ended up being right there. So we're okay. back kind of to square one. Okay. I'm going to go back to the taco situation. Okay. I'm guaranteeing free tacos to everybody if Lester doesn't score. I think Lester is is guaranteed to score in this game. Wow. Okay. I like this. Uh, I'm going to predict a draw here. It's either going to be a 1-1 or 2-2 draw. Okay. that that I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. Uh, next fixture is Aston Villa Liverpool. Uh, okay, what to, uh, we we kind of to say about this, this one? Uh, we, we we were kind of predicting it earlier in the podcast, and how I feel like Villa has some advantage being at home, and Liverpool being in a considerable disarray at the moment, and and perhaps rather fatigued with all the games that they've had recently. So I do like Villa's chances to get at least a draw here. Yeah. I think this could, uh, yeah, it's a very interesting match. I, I think um, 
Yeah, I, you know, actually, this will be a pure watch for me because I, I have no players in this match. Oh, uh, Micah, and, Micah Richards isn't going to get the start? Uh, no, he won't be starting for me. Uh, but I do think, I mean, I, I suppose it's not a pure watch because enough people have Firmino that I'll probably be pulling for Aston Villa to uh, to, to keep their down. Sheet. Yeah, to shut yeah. him down. Uh, I think that Liverpool will win this match, though. I mean, just given how they played against, a, you know, a, a pretty similar Norwich team uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I don't think it's going to be quite that wild, but um, I'll predict a 2 nothing Liverpool win. They're, yeah, they're, they're, I mean, even fatigued, they're just so much better than Aston Villa. Yeah. It's true. I mean, despite the arguments I'm making for Aston Villa, I think you're right. Liverpool's going to win this one pretty easily. And this is the Benteke comeback match. I wonder if he actually starts in this match. Oh, that's an that's inter- interesting point. I doubt it, but he'll, pro- he'll probably get a sub. <laughs> yeah, he might get a sub. Uh, all right, final match of the game week, uh, and it's really really ending with a bang. It's really, this the two out of these three matches are fantastic on Sunday. Uh, Man City hosting Spurs. I love it. So excited about this one. Oh, for sure. Um, we won two, three, and four playing this weekend. Yeah. I, so it's it's the Aguero loves to score derby here. He he scores um, he scores goals by the hatful against Spurs. But this is a this is a different Spurs team that we've seen in years past, and I think they'll like their chances against City, particularly given all the injuries that City's dealing with right now and their. Defense is a little mangled at the moment. Yeah, Spurs Spurs will definitely be scoring against the City defense. It's it just it just is down to what sort of City midfield shows up as far as to how competitive the game will be. Yeah, there's a real identity problem going on for City right now. I don't think they quite know what their best midfield is. And yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a great game. I, I I would love to see Spurs win. I think it's going to be pretty tight, and uh, maybe maybe uh, two or three goals for either squad. Yeah, I think um, like a, a two-two draw maybe seems about right. Maybe yeah. uh, maybe a three-two Man City win with a uh, with a couple of Guerrero goals. Agreed. I mean, if anyone's going to score for that city team, it's going to be Aguero. Right, so if I had to pin you down, Brandon, if you're a betting man, okay, what what is your prediction for this game? I predict a three-two Spurs victory. Wow, I predict a three-two Man City victory. Interesting. I think I think City's going to come out guns blazing. Aguero's going to get off the mark really quickly, but then Spurs are just going to grind it out uh, through the ninety minutes and end up with a three-two win. It'd be That's, really, yeah. I mean, this would be quite. If Leicester win on Sunday and Spurs win at Man City, this is officially the the craziest season I can recall. It's really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'd be fantastic. All right, so uh, that's it for us. Uh, find us on Twitter. We're at at Hail Cheaters. Uh, we're also uh, always cheating. We're on Facebook. Uh, you can email us uh, hailcheaters at gmail dot com. And uh, yeah, come find us, and we'll be talking all week, and, and certainly talking a lot this weekend. Yeah, and don't forget to subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and, and basically anywhere where you pick up your podcasts. And if you feel or if you're feeling kind, leave us a nice review. We'd really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Well, Brandon, it was nice talking to you, and I will talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Nice very talking s- to you, Josh. That was nice all very t- very civil of you. It was. Yeah. For, for all right. Once, well, don't don't forget to hail fun. don't forget to hail Poku, Josh. Yeah, and uh, hail cheaters. All right. See you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that seventy five percent of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.